broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Libations Friday, loosey-goosey edition of the program as we get rolling today. Yep, I'm at my house. So is Tom, but for good reason, as we do this last Libations Friday show before football starts. Last one. That's it. This is it. The reason we are home today recording is because the listener appreciation event is this afternoon. We will be at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill at 4 o'clock p.m. You're going to want to be there sharp as we appreciate you and give away just north of 100 shirts. It's Libations Friday Fest 2023. Our thanks to the Battle's End. Our thanks to the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. And of course, my friends and co-workers at 93.3 Real Talk and Warchant.com, as well as our new partners, the Vernon Company, as they uh, will help us out with a lot of promotions over the course of the year and uh, look forward to working with them as we have an opportunity uh, to uh, give away some shirts later on. We'll do some glasses and some other things. We may even create a store via the Vernon Company, where you can get Jeff Cameron Show items and the like. So we'll be telling you all about that. But I did want to doff the cap as we start today, uh, as it is Libations Friday, Lucy Goosey, and a listener appreciation party at 4 o'clock. Let's get that out there right from the outset. How you doing, everybody? Everybody good? You ready to settle in for football tomorrow? I know I am. Another football season. And another set of expectations. With this being the highest set of expectations since what? 2015, 2016, probably? Yeah, I'd say um, maybe, you know, what year was the Alabama kickoff in, in Atlanta? Is that 17? Uh, yeah, I, I tend to ignore it because it all went south and I just stopped thinking about it. But um, there were yeah. expectations that year. Like, even if you didn't beat Alabama, you think you're, you're on your way. And then DeAndre gets hurt and Jimbo... You know. Well, the reason I said 2016 is we were still decent. We won 10 games in 2016. Yeah. Um, haven't won 10 games since until last year. Think about that, guys. I mean, so really that encapsulates the comment in, in the whole mindset. We haven't, Florida State has not won 10 games since 2016 until this past season. Now, once that happened, obviously everything is ratcheted up and we're all pumped for what's to come. The expectation being that, well, you just win 10 games almost every single year. I want to get back to where Florida State was that program. Think about this for a second. The, the question marks surrounding Alabama, for example, we'll use them. Everybody's got an idea of who their top 25 is, 
who they think are going to be playing in the college football playoffs. And if you listen to shows, and I listen to a lot of shows, I read a lot of articles, obviously everything to do with the job, but also my passion that is college football. And so I've probably read, I don't know, this offseason leading up till now, including even yesterday, upwards of 25 season previews. I don't care if it's, you know, it could be from anything from uh, Saturdays Down South to CBS Sports to On3 to ESPN uh, to whatever. You know, you name it, the, the, the athletic, whatever. And there's usually some combination of Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida State, Michigan, Southern Cal, USC in some cases. I've seen some Texases out there. Uh, I've seen some LSUs out there. But these are your teams. The, the teams in the mix for a college football playoff, it's about 10 teams, 12 teams, that could make the college football playoff in the eyes of most of the people doing the prognosticating. Yeah. Well, what I thought about and what really stood out to me was two programs jump off the page. And that is, sadly, Clemson and Alabama. And why do I say that? Well, those two programs were described as having subpar seasons a year ago. Bad years. Bad years. How many games did they win, guys? How many games did they win in their bad year? Yes, that's correct. North of double digits. Yes, they were good. They, their bad year, in some cases, was 11-2. and two. That was their bad year. And we all are guilty of it. We'll sit here and be like, well, man, I don't know. Clemson looks lost in the wilderness. Lost in the wilderness. Double-digit wins. And we hadn't done it until last year since 2016. But that's what a bad year should look like at Florida State and sound like. It should be the national media wondering what's wrong with Florida State. They went 10-2 and two last year. What's up with the two losses? What, what happened with the 10-3 and three campaign? What is wrong with Florida State? Just the same way they do with Alabama, with Nick Saban. Oh, he's losing it. They don't have a quarterback. They had to go outside the program to go bring in a quarterback, and he wasn't even that good. What are, what's going on? Can't they recruit quarterbacks anymore at Alabama? What post Bryce Young? Do they not have anybody? <laughs> Man, they lost a crazy game and a crazy atmosphere in Tennessee last year with 100,000-plus people at night going crazy. And then they lost a game that came down to the last second to LSU on a two-point conversion. Those are Alabama's losses. <laughs> and we look at them like they've fallen off a cliff. Yeah. That is correct. The It's because the process looked worse in more games than just those two losses, and they looked vulnerable and gettable in a way they had not before. But your point is taken that that's the margin that they work with. And this year, they're not supposed to have that dynamic of an offense again. They're going to try and go ground and pound because the receivers aren't so good, which is kind of nuts at Alabama that you have back-to-back -back seasons where you, you don't have two and three and four receivers that are the likes of, I don't know, Florida State at current, where, where you, at present, where you like what they have in the receiving core, it's strange. But I will say that the definition of a down season is going to change in the near future. As we get into Power 2 conference football, hopefully Florida State is a part of that sooner than later, NA 12-team playoff. I think scheduling for the conferences will get more difficult. You'll be playing more conference games. 
you're not going to be afraid if you're Florida State in a 12-game set in a 12-team playoff era, even if you're in, let's say, the Big Ten. Let's just say they went there. I think you would still schedule Florida and not be afraid because there's so many at-large spots up for grabs in the playoff. So 9-3 and three in a playoff berth is suddenly a good season where 9-3 and three is unforgivable at a place like Alabama right now. Unforgivable for Dabo Sweeney and, and Clemson. I think that's going to change. But for right now, we are in the, on the last legs of, of one era of football where 10 win seasons out of 12 games is the bare minimum if you're a power team, if you're a power program. Yeah, if you're an elite program, and as I like to say, if you're operating at peak efficiency at Florida State in this woe-be-gone conference, uh, then you ought to win 10 games accidentally. I yeah. mean, really, if you're doing what you're supposed to in recruiting, and now we have another element of recruiting we used to not talk about, but now there's the transfer portal. So it's like, okay, you got to be really good in recruiting. However, you put together the talent. Doesn't matter if it's recruiting, you know, if it's the portal or if it's high school. I think it's going to be more and more high school and less and less portal. Yeah. I think the more dominant programs are always, you know, kind of from within the high school ranks. They'll grab a guy or two because they have a hole to fill or there was an unexpected injury or somebody didn't pan out that they projected that was a five-star. But they're grabbing, you know, they're grabbing a guy. They're grabbing four or five guys total, maybe. Yeah. But we've had to do it a different way, and I commend Mike for it. I don't really care. You know, people get caught up in this idea that Florida State has put together a, a, a pretty powerful powerhouse-type team all through the portal. Well, that's largely true. But when it's said and when it's stated by our rival fans, it is said in a way as if they're indignant, that it's cheating, that it it's bothersome, that you didn't have to earn it. Hey, man, F you. Be better in the portal. Our guy took over a program that was a disaster area and realized, man, these people have really high expectations, and they're going to hold me to those expectations. We don't waver on those expectations. It's Florida State. You don't come here to be average. You don't come here to go 7-5. and five. You don't come here to go 8-4. and four. You come here to win national championships. That's the goal, right? That's the stated goal. That's the investment financially. That's the history of this program. You're making a run, or attempting to anyhow, make a run at national championships. So he got it. And if you're somebody who gets it, you know when you lose – uh, seven games in a season, that ain't it. And it doesn't really matter. You could spend a lot of time in the woe is me category of this thing at home, looking at the wall going, I inherited a nightmare, a culture that was absolutely riddled with, uh, I don't want to say bad guys, but guys that who weren't bought in and whatever it might be. And I, I don't have a lot of talent. I'm looking out on the field. I don't have a lot of talent. So even if I coach them up and get them to buy in, I can't beat the better teams on my schedule because we're just not good enough. So he assesses that and says, well, thank God for this transfer portal thing because you know what? i got a clue what I'm doing, and I have a way I think I want to do this, and I think i got to get the right guys, not just a guy, but the right guy. And what did he do? He went out and got him, and he got him to buy in. He got him to believe. He got him to practice hard and lead and take over the team and the program, and now they're winning. And that's awesome. And what that's led to is obviously the ability to recruit now in high school. Now you're seeing it bleed over into the high school ranks, so you won't have to take as many portal people. But that's just smart. That's just understanding yeah. what expectations are. That's just understanding that it doesn't really matter right now how I win, just that I do. I have to win. Yeah, He knew I just... it. He knew he couldn't do – he couldn't have – Tom, he knew he couldn't have one more year. I even said – 
I'm well aware of all of the circumstances. I'm well aware of the blank show that he inherited. I'm well aware of how unfair it is to expect that he win 10 games right now. I'm well aware of it. However, have one more bad season and I'm done with you. And we, we were at that point, Tom. If they had sucked last year, yeah. we were on the cusp of saying, I don't know, man. I don't know. And why? Why? Because the great coaches, the ones that do lead programs to national titles, in the modern era, these guys that come swooping in and turn, they do it quickly. Jimbo did it quickly. Yeah, I don't know that Jimbo could have done it quickly in a, in a pandemic situation that Mike had. And, and I understand that you're correct. Last year, you talked about how dead man walking would have been your phrase of the day, the phrase of the year. It was already leading up to it. But if, if we had lost four games next year, you'd say it's too late for him. You know, I, and that's not I don't think that's unfair. And I don't even have to justify it. Like what I would say is that sucks for him. I hate it for yeah. him. He couldn't get out from under the avalanche in time to save himself. And now he's screwed because, by the way, Napier. We're all watching, man, saying yeah. the same thing. Let's be honest. That guy, what Florida go six and six this year, which, by the way, I think is a very distinct possibility. Let's hear how they talk about him after this six and six campaign. I look forward to that. I look forward to hearing those talking points and that debate and talking about the hot seat and the dysfunction within the Florida program. Man, it's been a minute since they've won something real around there. Can somebody, I mean, what, what's wrong with that program? I look forward to those conversations, but I just, I, I like you consume an awful lot of college football takes and, and especially, you know, it, with realignment being what it was as a conversation point over the summer. You hear a lot of national media weigh in on local issues here to the ACC, Florida State, Clemson, at all. And you, I'm just sometimes taken aback by how many dumb or uninformed takes there are out there for people who have a yearly salary to talk about these very issues. It's like, how can you not understand some of the nuances of conference realignment? And, well, Greg Sankey hasn't offered anything to Florida State. Of course. Like, really? So you have a national slot, and that's the take that you're going to have on SiriusXM or ESPN or Fox. Well, we know who said that, so yes. We do, but a lot of people said basically the same thing and are still doing so on national platforms. And it's just like, how do you get paid? Another take that I that I really can't stand is the transfer portal take. I think a lot of people, be it fans or be it media members, Look at the transfer portal from the, the the lens of five years ago, which is it's a grad transfer mercenary one-year market. And it's about – it's essentially the free agency of college football. That could not be farther from the truth. If you're a baseball fan and you love your Major League Baseball team and you know all about your farm system and you can't wait to see those kids come up, you know, most baseball fans don't give a damn if it was a kid they drafted or a prospect they traded for when they unloaded a closer because they're not going anywhere. And you bring in this kid from the Marlins system and he graduates up the ranks. They still call that off the farm. You know what I mean? Like right. you still claim that almost as though you drafted him in the ninth round four years ago. College football transfer portal has two types of kids. And we talk about them like they're one multi-year projects and prospects and then mercenary projects and prospects. Jermaine Johnson was a mercenary, a one-year dude. Kier Thomas, the same. Jaheim Bell, going to be the same thing. Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman. People weren't lining up for Johnny Wilson left and right. People weren't lining up for him. People weren't lining up for Trey Benson or Tatum. And, 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 and by the way, it's pure jealousy talking when it comes from your rivals. 
because they could have had Keon Coleman. They could have had Johnny Wilson. They could have had Trey Benson. They could have made a run at all those guys. Yes. And, and I'm not saying they would have won, but they had every right to go after them the same way we did. And it's sour grapes. They didn't get them. And now those players are really good. And they're pissed off that Florida State has evaluated the portal better than everybody else. Right. And, you know, awesome. Battles end. If you're looking for a mercenary, we're doing very, very good in that in that regard. So these are all good things. But it's just there's a blanket that's put over the portal. And that's so dumb to me because, yes, Florida State has a lot of one-off players. And I'll even count Jared Verse in that camp. It was a shocker he came back. Like, he would have been fine at the NFL well, level. He that he did, but go ahead. Correct. Correct. There you go again. But Fabo. You know, multi-year player for Florida State. A bless Harris. I'll bet you Keandre Jones will be here next year. I'll bet you Kyle Morlock will be here next year. So don't cast the transfer portal as a one-stop shop that replaces recruiting. It is recruiting. There is a free agent level to it, but there's also a, a recruiting and a development and an eye for talent level to it. And Florida State has found multi-year players that they've made better in addition to the guys that we know are plug and play starters. So I just, I can't stand that take because it's lazy and uninformed. Right. And I think, again, like most things, it's nuanced. You yeah. can have a nuanced conversation about what the portal is or is not in your mind and how it should be used and what is the best use of it once you are an established program compared to one that's desperately clinging for life, trying to get back to relevance. I mean, these, these are all different conversations. Uh, the portal for a team sitting outside the top 25 devoid of talent is a very different opportunity than it is for Georgia. Yeah. So this is, it's not all or one people want things to be black and white. And most of the time they're gray. That's what happens all the time. It drives me nuts in every conversation. Stop doing that. But you're right. That is the national take. Well, these are a bunch of mercenaries. I don't care. You, who right. cares? Let's just say you're right. Let's just say everybody here's a mercenary. If they go 11 and one and make the college football playoff, right. ding, 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 ding. That was a success. Who cares? Yeah. Agreed on, on that point. But then, you know, these guys fit into a greater culture. Like you, you just, you haven't been here and you haven't right. seen how they play together. Ah, and Tom, this is perfect. You just nailed it. Thank you. Served me a softball. We didn't even talk about it. We're going to do it next. Jeff Cameron show 93.3 real talk radio war chant TV passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, led headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Zaxby's. We're talking about Zaxby's, baby. Proud Golden Chief booster for over 18 years. More importantly, to your dining concerns, the food is delicious and readily available all throughout Tallahassee. 37 locations in the capital city in the state of Florida. Zaxby's is everywhere. 
it's almost like they position themselves on a map with uh, with an idea towards Saturdays for football. So if you're coming into town, for example, and you want to support Zaxby's, but you know you follow War Chant TV or the show from Orlando or Tampa or Atlanta, if you think about it, Jeff, every exit that people come off of an I-10 when they arrive in town, there's a Zaxby's there's right there. As soon yeah. as you get off the exit, it's right Beautiful. there. Beautiful. So when you're tailgating on a Saturday, just stop into the Zaxby's, go get you a platter, a bunch of sauces. Do you like the fries or the Texas toast? Why not both? Go I'm get it I'm a fries all. guy. I'm a fries guy. I don't mess with the Texas toast. Nothing wrong with it, but I don't want that filling up my belly with bread when I can have all these delicious fries chicken. That's just me. That's fair. They also have fried pickles, too, if you want to throw delicious. a little curveball. And that's that's a side. That's not just, you know, this thing that you got to get a – you can get a side of fried pickles. Mm, so it's mm, the way to mm. be. You can't beat Zaxby's. Once again, they support Florida State Athletics as a golden chief and have done so for over 18 years. Go get you some Zaxby's, friends. Uh, friends. The, the delicious deliciousness. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. <laughs> mistake that people make i think nationally you brought it up you referenced it kind of twice at the end of the last segment tom you said the players fit into a larger culture they're not just here to get paid and go on to the nfl and be one-year mercenaries they have fit into a larger culture that helps explain why florida state's had more success why this coaching staff has had more success in the portal than maybe some other programs that have given a, a valiant effort. Uh, Miami has tried desperately to put together a team largely through the portal. They've had more portal players than Florida State has, and they suck. They got beat by our portal players 45-3 to last year in their own ballpark. Uh, so they're failing, which is why they went out and got Mario Cristobal. And I know last year was his, you know, that year for him, but they brought him in because they thought he'd be able to keep the – the, the homegrown players home that he would be able to keep the players in Miami that everybody else comes in and takes. We'll see right now. Doesn't look like he's going to, but he may have a good year this year and that could change. So we'll just see. It's a wait and see project for them because the portal's not working. And the guy that was funding the portal, uh, maybe, maybe going to jail or is going under financially. So either way, there you go. Uh, sucks for them. They needed somebody like the battles in, but they don't have them. They don't have them. So here you go. That's something that is mistaken when, when you look at the, the assessment of the roster by the national media. Here's something else that has always been true, and I have been preaching this for a long time. Once I got my, my sea legs, once I understood the difference between doing local radio in a market, in this case, Tallahassee, and doing national radio like I've done with SiriusXM on various platforms, the difference between listening to a local host, as you do when you go to other cities, and listening to national hosts when you're driving down the road just wanting a national perspective, say you tune into Colin Coward, I don't know, whatever that might be. Okay, both can be good, both can be informed, both can be entertaining, but their views of the same thing are very, very different. And that is because, to answer your other question, Tom, is that a lot of the people that have national platforms have to speak definitively. You cannot be a talk show host and waffle 
or pretend you have uh, knowledge that you don't, you'll get eaten alive. So they're going to make definitive statements, whether they know that to be true or not. They're going to say things like they know it. That leads to the people who are covering the team locally to raise an eyebrow and go, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about, or she doesn't know what she's talking about. Because you can't. You can't. If you're a national person required to know a lot about a lot, you can't get into the more finer details and specifics of the change on the ground in each individual market, unless you're willing to spend, I mean, a lot of hours every day calling and making sources of each of those local cities, right? You got to find a guy that's going to be your guy for Florida State. For example, I'm Bamani Jones's guy at Florida State. He calls me when he wants to know, who's this kid I just saw killing it against Louisville? He called me last year after the Johnny Wilson game. Who's this kid? Where'd you get him from? How, how did you get him? Yeah, he wanted to know the details because he had a feeling that that guy's going to be a star. Good job, Bomani. Not everybody does that. Not everybody does. Like, you may not get a call. I guarantee you're not going to get a call from Heather Denich. So she's going to say what she says, right? <laughs> and you're going to laugh at her. And there's going to be a lot of people like that. But because you're asked or tasked with the responsibility of knowing a good amount about a lot of teams, you can't really know the finer details. And this brings me to the point that Tom was making. I think that we're always way ahead of the national media in correctly predicting two things, a rise to stardom and dominance and a collapse into failure. I knew, just as you did, and a lot of us suspected way back before we got blown out against Louisville that this thing was unraveling. College game day went to Florida State versus Louisville, not because they thought Louisville was going to drop 60-plus points on Florida State, but because they thought it'd be a good game. I knew it wasn't going to be a good game. Well, how did I know that? Well, I knew the culture was unraveling. I knew that Florida State was going the wrong way. I knew that the plane was now headed towards the mountain. We're in trouble, Jack. And I don't care about the record and what you think Florida State is because you're wrong. I'm here every day. I'm looking at them. They're in trouble. But you can't know that if you're a national person. And you also can't know if you're not here on a daily basis. You can think maybe you've got a good idea, but you can't know this team's about to whoop some ass. This team is about to do what Jimbo did in 2013. They're getting closer and closer to that. Are they there yet? We're debating that. I'm not quite sure. I don't think they're quite that yet. But we knew if the quarterback was right in 2013, everything else was in place for Florida State to whoop ass. They were dominant. We saw violence. We saw depth. We saw speed. We saw competition. We saw guys that were going to be NFL players, and we knew it. It's very, very similar to what we're seeing in Tallahassee right now, and the national people don't know it. They don't know it. They're dealing with the hangover of the bad seasons. They're dealing with the Florida State, nice story last year, but what they really do. They won 10 games against a bunch of bad teams. They didn't beat anybody who was any good. And oh, by the way, when they played people who were pretty good, they largely lost to them or looked bad in beating them. See Oklahoma and Florida. The lone exception they can even excuse away. The lone exception to Florida State, the narrative that Florida State really didn't beat anybody is, is who? LSU, your next opponent. You did beat LSU, and you can't dismiss that because they went on to win the West and the SEC and beat Alabama. 
However, you can still explain it away if you want to involve yourself with the narrative that Florida State's not ready. What you would say is it was Brian Kelly's first game, first game at LSU. How could he know? I mean, they were barely cohesive. He didn't even know what he had at quarterback, you know, and that might be fair. I mean, it's certainly a take that's not unreasonable, but that's what people will say. But we're on the ground. We're here all the time, Tom, and we can see that they have legitimate stars at wide receiver and tight end. Their quarterback is playing better than he's ever played, and he was really freaking good last year. And by the way, he averaged just south of 250 yards passing a game last year. I think he's going to accidentally go over that without trying, and that's with a lot of balance. So there you go. You have that. You know the offensive backfield is loaded. You know the offensive line is loaded. You know the defensive line is worlds better than what they trotted out there last year. You know that Jared Verse is finally healthy, and he's probably a top 15 pick. You know that Patrick Payton is an all-conference player who's on the cusp of also being a high draft pick in a year or two. You know that the secondary is littered with good athletes, some question marks. We'll see, but guys are playing better there too, and they have an attacking mentality. Some guy watching Florida State from a distance isn't thinking about the fact that Woodson's now at Arkansas and that Patrick Sertan, who coached two high school championships in South Florida, is now the DB coach teaching a different mentality. You don't know that because guess what? You can't sit around and look at everybody's coaching staff across the entire country and really be tuned in with the change of philosophy. You can note that they made a change, and in some cases they're high-profile coaches, so you know their M.O., but a lot of times it's guys like Patrick Sertan that somebody in California has maybe never even heard of other than his son is currently playing in the NFL, and he might have a vague memory that Patrick Sertan himself was a good player. This is why we're always ahead predicting the failures to come, the problems within a program coming off of a great run, and the soon-to-be playing into the side of the mountain that I described, and also the, ooh, dirty little secret, everybody, we don't suck anymore. Look out. We're always the first to predict that, too. Yeah, agreed on all on all fronts. You could still look at our transfer portal situation and say, that you know, these are not all the same kinds of things. Like, agreed. Uh, agreed. You know, uh, Ashlyn Barker is not the same situation as Jaheim Bell. And uh, and Fabo is not the same situation as Braden Fisk. You know, like for every position group in which we have gone into the portal and, and found ourselves a one year player. There's at least an equal amount of multi-year players in that same group. You could do it at corner. You could do it at safety. You could do it at defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker, receiver, running back. I mean, you could do it all the way up and down. And I think that's what's really smart and cutting edge about what Mike Norvell's doing. And it's, it's enough that a national media person could still find the time to have that take on a national radio show or a podcast or something like ESPN, which is, You've got to recruit multiple things at the same time. You've got to recruit multiple places at the same time. It could be high school. It can be one-year rentals because you run into injuries. There's attrition. A guy gets pissed off. He wants an NIL deal somewhere else. And so you need Braden Fisk. You've got an eligibility question about a player. All right. Well, in the, in the event this guy's not prepared, let me have this other solution over here. But the good news for Florida State is if you're looking at that, it's like a pie chart. Where the high school influx of talent was a small percentage, even two cycles ago, it's getting larger and larger. Yes. And the thing that I love, for example, we've done a, a preview video that's going to be up uh, today on the channel on Warchant TV about uh, Zaquan Patterson's decision, the Shamanad Madonna safety, who is announcing tomorrow at halftime. Like, I, I don't know. There's 11th hour stuff going on there, whether he goes Florida State's way or not Florida State's way. But let's just say that he does. 
you now have that guy along with two high-level blue-chip athletes and players in Bolden and Charles Lester. And I asked Michael in this video uh, on the weekend, is, you know, potentially could this be the best secondary class that Florida State's ever signed? Because what, what I get excited about is you've got some blue chippers and then some, you know, high three-star athlete types that came in this year that arrived on campus this spring and this summer. And I'm blown away by what I'm seeing out of the defensive backroom, the eye for evaluation that these kids are not Charles Lester. They're not KJ Bolden. And yet they come on campus and they belong right away. So if you're telling me that that's what you can find out of the three-star and low four-star pool, what the hell are we about to bring in with a high four-star and the five-star pool? That's where it gets really exciting when you're projecting and saying, we're not going to suck anymore. We don't suck anymore. That pro that time is over. I'm looking at replenishment, and I'm saying, man. So you're telling me what he can do in the portal, an eye for multi-year talent, he's now doing in high school? That, and he's beating Georgia and Alabama to do it? Look out, brother. Look out for this program. But that, what that does is that spawns jealousy, hatred, and fear. So once again, we're always looking for the markers, the cues, the, the things that tell you you're all the way back. Most of them reside within the program that we cover on a daily basis. Some of them are reactions to said program from all around the country and, of course, within the state amongst your rivals, which is the best. You're getting that jealous, angry pushback from the Florida fans and the Miami fans right now because they've come to the startling realization that Mike Norvell is the guy. Yeah. And they're like, damn it, man. We didn't think he was. I'm beginning to think he is. And now we got a problem because dude's walking in here and grabbing high school kids from our neck of the woods, and we never thought he was going to do that. And this ain't cool. And here's the other reason they're afraid. If Florida State ass hammers Miami again this year, and now you've had three straight wins over your rivals, two of them lopsided. Let's just say that happens. Their coach, their hero, their savior, one of their own, who I enjoy talking to at the ACC kickoff, may not have the traction necessary to fulfill his potential as a recruiter. That's primarily what he is, a good recruiter. He's certainly not a great game day coach. We know that. So – he has to beat you by grabbing a bunch of good players, which they thought he would do. He's one of their own. He's from there. Nobody can sell Miami like the guy that played at Miami and lives in Miami and loves Miami. I agreed with that decision, by the way, to bring in Mario Cristobal. I didn't think it was a good decision from an X's and O's standpoint. I thought, well, it really won't matter what the X's and O's are if he gets the right players. Because when you have a bunch of five stars that run 4-3, you can run the simplest offense or defense you want. And that's kind of what I thought they were going for it. In fact, that is what they're going for. Now, let them get buried again. It's a weird time because if you get buried again, even though he's only in what, year two, if he gets buried again and continues the trend that one of these things is not like the other, Florida State is doing this, Miami's remaining down here in the muck. You don't get the traction you need to benefit from the recruiting prowess. Yep. And you have kids get taken right out of your backyard again. Yes, and they 
Florida State is on the brink of having a pipeline in Miami once again, South Florida in general, once again. You could argue that it's already there, but finish on signing day with these kids, yeah. and it does yeah, get yeah, to yeah, that yeah. place. Yeah, And and that's that's just crazy because when this coaching staff took over, you had no real connections in the state. You didn't – I mean, uh, where, wherever Odell is seen as a demigod and a good area recruiter, that's about it because Dugans wasn't oh, pulling Tampa. his weight. That's Tampa, yeah. But Dugans wasn't pulling his weight at the time. So, like, there was no real evidence that you could make inroads here. And, of course, once again, a certain collective is doing its job of putting you in that position. But the connections matter and the success matters the most. And well, what, what's fun about this, and I'm going to use that word a lot here, but what's fun about this is, and, and you could probably say it better than me and maybe some people that are a little bit older than you, when is the last time that Florida State's offense has been this fun to run, this fun to watch, and this fun to play in? Because Jimbo's offense was prolific, but I don't know if it was fun. This offense is a hoot, man. It, you're in one-on-one situations yeah, all day. Situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's freedom. It, it, it's open. It's fast. It's yeah. new age. It's all that kind of stuff. And the best part of that, that's already said it and forget it because you knew it from Memphis. Now you have Florida State tape to match the two, and you've got a story to tell. So that's all set. This defense looks like it's a whole lot more fun to run this year than last. And I don't think it's just because Jared versus awesome. So is Braden Fisk and, and down the line you go. That secondary looks like it's having a lot of fun. Whereas last year, the defense was on the defensive. The defense is getting downhill and playing some offense. They've got an attack mindset. So now you've got two sides of the ball that are fun. You got to win this year to continue the momentum. You got to win big, but this is a fun place to be. And I don't even know that that was the case for Jimbo. It was a place where winning is fun, but I don't know that it was a fun place to be. This is something, man. This is a product that you can sell to kids. Yeah. Uh, the defense is under the most amount of pressure. There's no question that this has to be a world's better defense. In my opinion, I don't think they were good against good teams. Um, and I don't buy the argument that, well, nobody's good against good teams in the modern era of football. Nobody can get stops BS. Uh, TCU's often scored a ton of points against a ton of teams and they got overwhelmed and dominated by Georgia. Uh, there, there have been plenty of teams that got oh, Michigan got a lot of stops against Ohio state. Now, didn't they? You can get stops against good teams. Uh, So I'm saying it's not like it's not 1995. You're not going to beat people 24 to nothing. I got you, but you can get stops and we didn't get stops against good teams. Yeah. I think you go back and you watch those three games, Uh, NC state, you did exactly what you need to do. Wake forest, hot and cold and Clemson, hot and cold. And and it needs to be better than, than hot and cold this year. The, The one thing I think is an absolute legitimate defense for Adam Fuller is that you had stones for a gunfight when it comes to the health of your defensive line. That's there true. Is, there is That's no true. chance to set a tone and do anything when, and, and extend that to the front seven. You call it the front six these days. Cause you only run two linebackers out there, but extend it to the front six. Those two dudes are one armed wonders. Robert Cooper, the same Jared versus on a pitch count. And Fabo was never the same after the LSU game. Like other than that, we're healthy. You know, that, that's a tough deal. Now, this year, you don't have that to run behind. But I think it's a legitimate place to run to and say, what the hell you want me to do? Now i got to commit six, seven people uh, in terms of rushing the passer, and I'm at a disadvantage. So, like, it was it was a tough situation last year. I thought they made the most of it. But there's no doubt that there are no excuses this year, and this is a defense that you should thrive with, not just get by with. Yeah, I, we agree on all counts here. Uh, I, I don't solely blame the scheme 
or the defensive backs coach, who I was not fond of a year ago, and I think I've been proven right here so far, and it's going to happen again when they play the games. Um, but I don't – there is no wiggle room. I mean, you got to be good now. There's no reason. If they're not good now, it's it's a problem with him. And, and he – you know, that's – that's a, that, this is cut and dry. Uh, and I'll say the same for Randy Shannon. Uh, it, you know, two fingers to my eyes. Back to you two guys. You two guys this year. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. <laughs> Fun first hour, Libations Friday is supposed to be fun. If you want to have more fun while you're listening to this, remember that as soon as the show ends, you can hop in your car and say, I'm getting the weekend started right. I'm going to swing past Corner Pocket Bar and Grill and say hello to Tom and Jeff and the War Chant crew and all of our friends at Corner Pocket. And I'm going to get me a free domestic draft thanks to the battle's end. And I'm going to drink that cold beer and celebrate the return of football in the weekend. And I'm going to get a brand new shirt a Libations Friday 2023 Fest shirt. There you go, baby. You're going to do that too. And I want to doff the cap to all of you who do and are planning on it. If you're not, it's this afternoon at 4 o'clock from 4 to 6 p.m. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. It is today. It is today. Libations Friday Fest. Thank you, Vernon Company. Thank you, Corner Pocket. Thank you, War Chan. Thank you, 93.3. And thank you, Battles In. Good times. And thank all of you for listening and supporting what we do. We do greatly appreciate it. And it's our chance to say that today at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill this afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Some of the guys will be staying there longer. I have to get out to a high school football game. I will be leaving right at 6, but I will be there for those two hours, and I'm looking forward to it. Good times. It's uh, a Guinness kind of a day, I do believe. And there's also there's content galore. So if you show up today, we'll hop on the stage. We'll do a bit of a panel, like an, you know, just a season preview just for you guys. It's not going to be on WarChan TV. So it's a thank you to the local listeners. It'll be something that uh, maybe we record in pod. But it's going to be primarily just interacting with y'all. There's also more content on the feed today on the podcast feed. It was released this morning. So if you just can't get enough of us. Oh, you got bellying up. Go ahead. I forgot to mention it, guys. We are doing bellying up again. For those that don't know what bellying up is, a concept I came up with, uh, bellying up, obviously bellying up to the bar, if you will. Um, And it's a conversation. It it really is. It will always just be conversational not really a show per se. It's a conversation. And uh, a lot of times Tom and I just sit down, hit record and start talking to each other. And you just pick up, like he literally just hits record. Doesn't tell me when he's hitting record and we're just talking and you'll hear things about us talking about our wives or uh, a new pair of shoes or uh, the fact that I got to paint my door this weekend. And then we launch into a conversation about history. And then we launch into a conversation about Florida state and football. And then we launch into a conversation about music Then we, uh, whatever it might be, it could be anything, quite literally anything. And I'll also use that feed moving forward to have some guests. I, there's a professor at FSU that I want to talk to really soon um, about uh, his discoveries, uh, including dinosaur eggs. Uh, and so this will be a lot of fun to do that. Uh, we'll have other people from other walks of life on it. If you like that sort of thing, make sure you listen to bellying up, subscribe to it. We hope you do. I think you'll like it. You gotta be a grown up. There are bad words occasionally because that's true in the real world. Sometimes you're talking to somebody and that fellow just might curse out of the blue. You don't cry about it. You don't 
shrivel up in a ball and get concerned and boycott. You just keep on talking because you're a grown up and that's how the world works. So uh, just understand that. But I also tell you that because if you got kids in the car, you know, you don't want them to hear some F bombs. I'm not saying it's littered with F bombs. Yeah. I'm saying that there's some curse words. But I mean, there you go. You can see it right there on the screen. I'm pulling it up for you, uh, Warchant TV ears. It says it in big, bold letters adult language and content. So there's a warning for you. So it's a right, it's adjacent to the feeds of the other stuff. But if you can't read that before you hit it, then you can't complain. <laughs> if you say, yeah, I was in the car with my kid, it says adult language and content, folks. Please, please. Yeah. yeah. So there it is. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Don't you cry. And if you get offended because I said something you disagree with, grow up. Grow up. And and that's fine. You don't have to listen to it. You could be like, I hate this. Well, good. Then don't listen to it. Whatever. Just settle down. There'll be two hours of this kind of content right right above it on the feed yes. this afternoon. So everything is okay. Yeah, you're all good. Yeah, but uh, our thanks to the Battles Inn and our thanks to all of you guys. Uh, enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the uh, bellying up. I think it's fun. I, I Really, I honestly like doing it. I'm a conversationalist. It's, it's uh, what I do. It's what I've made a living doing. It's who I am away from the mic as well. Uh, and, and the idea was just to plop a mic down while we were talking about any number of things. And Tom's an interesting guy and there are a lot of interesting people out there and we can just have these conversations and bounce things off each other and have a lot of fun and kind of get to know us a little bit more. I was uh, very thankful to, uh, to have that to start the day with today, because as he, you told me before we started, are you depressed? Yeah. You oh, sounded man. down in the dumps, man. No, that's uh, because yesterday was a rough allergy day for me. So I had to take one of those 24 hour pills and um, it's like having those old Delta eights, you know, you just wake up. And like, <laughs> okay. All right. Trying to shake it off. Let's get up to speed. So the engine got revving before we got to do today's show, which I, I was grateful for that lead up because bellying up is honest. You know, if you're not, you're not, if you're not feeling great, you don't sound that way. And that's, that's the way I like it. You know, something I didn't bring up in bellying up today, I brought up uh, one of the other episodes, I think a while back, but I was talking about the first college football games that I remember we were talking about on bellying up the, the first college games we ever remember either watching or really investing in. And uh, I brought up Michigan-Notre Dame in the late 70s. I looked it up afterwards. I was right, Tom. It was Michigan beat Notre Dame, and it was uh, they scored the second half, and it was 1978. I had it right. But the thing I remember about that was that um, I also, that weekend at my dad's house, watched The World at War, uh, which was an old British documentary television series. Uh, it was a TV show. And there were 20, it was from like 1973 to 1974. I didn't see it in its original uh, form, but it was narrated by uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Mm. And if you've never watched that series, uh, it's a 26-part documentary on World War II, which is narrated by Lawrence Olivier. And the footage is alarmingly good. Like you're taken aback. It's footage that's later been used in many of these documentaries that you see either on PBS or you know, like a Ken Burns documentary or something or footage that you might see on Netflix where they colorize World War II or whatever. Like they have that footage. That's where it comes from. They documented so much in World War II. I did not have an understanding until many years later. Like this is insane. They're, we're watching these guys fight on the front lines, killing each other. And it was a TV show that ran in Britain that was picked up in the United States years later. And my dad and I would watch it. And the theme, the music, and the opening—it's on fire. It's like the world's on fire. 
It was ominous, Tom. And I remember watching college football and then on Sunday morning watching the world at war with my dad. And I went from the, 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 the joy of college football to the, oh, my God, people are terrible of the world at war. So who dubbed over for the American version to translate from British? Who was the voice for that? No, Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> I know you're kidding. I know you're kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fun. It, go watch it. You can find it somewhere. I'm sure you can. I know it's on YouTube. I know it's on YouTube. It's worth your time. It's good. Invest in it. It's a really good show. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.